My kid can walk onto the playground at camp, recognize a TARDIS joke, and then totally blow a sixth grader out of the water with how much she knows about Doctor Who. That makes me feel good. Hello? Well, top of the morning to you, sir. Top of the morning and the rest of the day to you, my lad. Hi, it's a beautiful pine furniture. (laughs) That was fun doing that show that we did. Hmm. Dan. Hello. Yes, I'm I'm here. I'm right with you. We're together. Yes. Do you you work here? I work. Yes. I work here. (laughs) Where's the map? There it is. Um, Dan, 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 we have, uh, we've turned an, an epic page. In doing, a, in doing our first At The Movies together. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be unavoidable because it's, it's still on my mind. No, it's still on mm-hmm. my mind. It's even more on my mind. I feel like we need to go back and rewatch it and do another part two or something because... I got, I got, I got four, four bullets of just, of just uh, fill-in follow-up. Okay. I got a lot to talk about. Tell, tell people what happened, uh, Dan Benjamin. It's your show. Well, uh, you and I did uh, an episode of At The Movies, 5x5 At The Movies, which uh, focused on a movie called uh, Glen Gary, Glen Ross, which we've talked about here many times, uh, but never in the depth and detail that we did on that episode. And it was so much fun to do it. I love doing it. And it, it turned out great. And since then, so many people on Twitter have pointed out things that we've missed or observations that now seem obvious. And uh, oh, I well, feel got like- to add Derek's comment. We got to talk about that. That yeah, was interesting. Can. Yeah, Derek's a friend of mine. He's a, he's a lawyer. Oh yeah, in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, are you okay? Is everything all right? Everything's great. Do you need Do you need to change any cables or anything? No, everything's rock solid here today. It was. Um, I have to tell you, going into it, I was uh, not nervous because I don't. Of all the things I get nervous about, talking on podcasts is not one of them. Right. But, uh, you know, it's a high bar. You had, you had your second ad hoc episode was about Pacific Rim. But, I mean, the canonical episode of the three episodes so far, I think, has to be you and Syracuse talking about um, Goodfellas. I'm going to delete the second episode, I think. Oh. Won't yeah. that seem strange? Won't that mess up continuity? I will insert the next episode I do as episode two. Just tell them Moises was a scroll at the time. <laughs> right, right, right. What is the other one? Not a scroll. Uh, life. Uh, Hattie Hattie was an LMD, I think you're thinking. Yeah, that's it. Uh, life model decoy. Life model decoy. Life model decoy. <laughs> life model decoy. Life model decoy. So the guys, the guys came to fix one of the desks, and they, they, in the process of fixing it, snapped off. Apparently, there's an Ethernet connector inside of the desk that allows it to go, uh, uh, like, a height adjusting and they snapped off the little, and they're right there sort of loitering around in, in the office now. Not sure what to do next. Are they there right now? Can they hear you? No, they can't hear us. I'm, I'm in the box. Should we have some kind of a signal to let me know if you need some kind of help? No. There's people out there who can help them. I just If, it's, you, if you touch your hair. Yeah. <laughs> if I ever, if I touch my hair, Kenilworth. 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 Home cooking. <laughs> From the American magazine. Express, the magazine. From the magazine. You haven't eaten until you've eaten with the, the links. <laughs> Um, so we talked about uh, Glengarry Glen, Glen Ross, and, and in what I hope will become a new tradition uh, for the show, well, yeah. it does exceed by a great deal the length of the movie. But there's a but lot that's to supposed, say. It's supposed to be that way. Yeah, yeah. I like I like how it turned out a lot. And um, uh, so Glengarry Glen Ross, you know, and you know, for, for folks who don't know, what, you know, why are we mentioning this here? It's if you've listened to this program before. It accounts for 
at least half a dozen of the inscrutable in-jokes that you hear on the show that either you're um, uncomfortably laughing along with or wondering why do they keep saying, get them to sign on the line that is dotted. Yes. ABC. Yes. 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 I want a supercut of just all of Alan Arkin saying yes. I have it. <laughs> you do? Well, I have a, a handful of them. I got I to gotta get, make sure I get all of them. Yes. It's not right. So that's not right for the customer. <laughs> <laughs> it's not right. It's not right. I make Gestapo tactics. <laughs> yes. Yes. The leads. We don't have the leads. Yes. Yes. No. 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 So we talked about that, and we talked about, uh, it, I'll tell you, it opened up a memory hole for me. Wow. Hmm? And uh, got, got me thinking about all kinds of stuff from back in the day, like I say, when my mom was a residential real estate agent back in, back in Ohio originally, and then later in Florida. Um, but just, just for context, Dan, Dan, in as much as you can say, could you please tell people where people could find the show notes for this episode, uh, episode diggity 178 of your back-to-work program. You can go to 5by5.tv slash B as in balls, 2 is at the number, W as in brass, slash 178. <coughs> go and do likewise, gents. And uh, so that, that, that will get you shown us for, for this episode. And then you can also from there get to, or you could just go in your internet browser to 5by5.tv slash movies. What's the, what's the URL? Yes, slash movies slash three, or maybe two. Maybe it'll be both two and three. Oh, don't do that. No, man. You it's that remember. good. It's that good. But it doesn't mean other ones should fall off. The Encyclopedia Britannica renumbered. Huh. When did, they do, when did they do that? I don't know. They did that? I'm going to have to Google that. You know, it's very costly when they make changes. That, that's part of the problem with updating the encyclopedia is because part of what they do because of their economies of scale is they don't want to have to repaginate. So sometimes when they change an article, they'll like have to take out another article or greatly reduce. If they want to add something, they need to greatly reduce something else. They're like, oh, we only need to change these you know, two two-sided pages in the printing. Mm-hmm. We won't have to redo the setting of those pages. Isn't that crazy? I prefer Isn't that a crazy in- way to think about how you put your information into something in the digital age? I prefer enlarging to reducing. Yeah, but then that messes up your pagination. You know, mm. you got to make the jump. You got to go from uh, 64 to 68 or what Speaking of which, guess what I'm just starting to watch? Just saw the first episode last night. Just guess because there's, there's, it's very easy for you to guess out of all the shows in the whole world. Um, I can do this. Uh, I'm just, hold on. I'm focusing. I'm, let's try one of those thought experiments. I'm sending you the visual images and the words right now and I, I'm seeing your brain receiving it mm-hmm. and your brain has received it now and you're about to say the words. Adam 12. Breaking Bad. You're right. Oh, I was very, very close. Well, you got A. I was thinking B, A, B, C. Yes. Always be breaking. <laughs> Are you starting at the beginning? Episode one, season one. S1E1. And you, you hadn't seen that program before? Nothing. No, never. That's a good program. He doesn't have a hat yet, so I don't know what if I'm watching the right show. I think you're fine. It's, it's Tim Watley from the Seinfeld show. Oh, right. Or uh, wasn't he the dad on the Malcolm? It was uh, Malcolm at the top. Yeah. He was the top of the Malcolm ladder. Didn't the They Might Be Giants, your friends, uh, do that one? They did. That's a Flansburg song. Yes, no, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. And he was recently in Godzilla. Everyone's your friend. Wow, and everything I do sounds like Jerry Lewis now. I think I might have palsy. Bag a hole with a gun perpendicular. Now that just sounds like a munchkin. What is wrong with you, man? Have I just forgotten how to sing? 
Just do some Marcy. It'll come back Baby, to you. Baby, check this out. I've got something to say with the glavin in the making of the music. Man, it's so loud in here. Have you gotten cash That's into the that? new stuff. You know, it's great. Um, my daughter got into They Might Be Giants at the same time she was getting into comics. So she thinks their first big hit is Don't Let Stark. <laughs> don't, don't, don't let Stark. My, uh, my son is very confused about how come sometimes the Hulk seems kind of smart and other times he seems really dumb and how sometimes he's a good guy and sometimes he's a bad guy. And I said, I so I am I. I don't have a plausible answer to that. No, there isn't one. But you're talking pure Green Hulk, right? Yeah, always green. Because Grey Hulk's already, isn't Grey Hulk already a little smarter? Joe Fix It. Joe Fix It. He's the one who's a, he's a doorman in Las Vegas. Is that yeah, right? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I find it pretty confusing. Um, and also just, just the fact that sometimes, you know, I think in some ways Hulk works best as a character. I mean, from the very beginning, or like not since the beginning, but from the time like the first uh, Avengers, uh, the whole reason the Avengers started is because Hulk's out of control and misunderstood. And of course, Loki is causing trouble. You ever read the first Avengers? I haven't, but I was going to say it's, a, it's similar to the same reason this show started. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> boy, that was, a, that was the tiniest bell. Muted bell. Yeah, that, that, that bell's not even showing up on sonar. <laughs> I have a report of Dan insulting Merlin, but there was no bell. <sighs> they called it a ping. Um, Send one ping. Oh, you know, I finally saw that. It's a good movie. Boy, that's a good... You know who's in that? Alec Baldwin. He is. There's a lot of things that he's uh, that he's been in. Yes, including Mrs. Baldwin. <laughs> oh, ding. So I says... Where's our, where is our bell? Do we not have a bell anymore? Grace, Grace. Grace. I'm going to need a first class ticket, <laughs> $100,000 in cash, and put the bell with the negotiable papers. <laughs> It's so good. It's great. Every it has every. It's a movie with everything, including a single <laughs> female character. Oh, this is Mrs. Nyborg. What? Who's a who? There's a woman in that. Coat check girl. Coat check girl. Huh. Sounds like a '70s cop drama. <laughs> Coat check girl in color. So anyway, uh, Hulk, uh, Tony Stark, Hulk. Oh yeah. So the very first one, if memory serves, uh. Uh, what happens is uh, uh, Loki's trying to get, I think he's trying to, he's basically causing trouble and he creates a, a hallucination and an illusion that makes the Hulk see a train that's about to go off the tracks and then Hulk tries to save them and of course it looks like Hulk is is destroying the train and that is the impetus for these, whatever, three or four characters to get together to have to go deal with the Hulk. Does Hulk he have out- a healing factor? He has a healing factor that exceeds Wolverine's, right? Uh, uh- I don't know the exact, I would have to say yes. I mean, but I don't think there's even a name for it. By the time you get, as you know, you've read, you read uh, Planet Hulk and World War Hulk, right? Yeah. No, I mean, wait, you know, uh, w- Planet Hulk, not World War Hulk yet. Mika Lover, not a fighter. No, Mika, I'm confused. Mika Haida, not a fighter. <laughs> I love Meek. Good Netflix, good bloody Netflix cartoon of that. You can show your kid. It's really good. And then World War Hulk is when he comes back and he's not happy. Someday, you know what? Can we do a show about the Illuminati someday? Because I think Illuminati basically represents a lot of upper-level management in America. Wow. Yeah. Did you see what that was? It Derek's comment. He said that the uh, colors, the colors, and the uh, yeah. I never thought of that. And it seems so obvious now. 
Let's uh, you know what? Let's capture that. I've written that down here as uh, my friend Derek. I'm friends with him. Derek's comment. I've written that down. Uh, very confusing, but I think in some ways the Hulk works best when we understand that he's out of control. Like when the Hulk is 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 like too sweet. And then let's see, but then there's also the thing of like sometimes he's the Hulk all the time, and sometimes he's not, and it's it's weird. I think the Hulk should be. Bruce Banner, who turns into the Hulk. If he's the Hulk all the time, then that kind of, that's a different character. Well, you know, I remember back in the uh, Secret Wars 1 days, there was a period of time where you had the Hulk body, uh, the transformed into Hulk body, but uh, Bruce Banner's intellect and mind and personality controlling it. So it was the best of both worlds, but that did not last. Well, you know what happened later on? No spoilers. What, they got split up? And, you know, Stuff went down. What? He killed him. He killed Bruce. Oh, that's right. He did kill him in the more recent uh, story. But Bruce is still alive. He's back, right? I'm tired of that. I think he's a life model, Moises. Is Xavier Xavier alive or dead now? I have a I have a chart here with a little child <laughs> spinner on it, and it tracks whether Professor X is alive or dead, can walk or not, and whether or for how long Jean Grey has been dead. I just flip it around. Uh, yeah, so that's a good comic. You know what's good if you're looking for a cartoon, a stupid, good cartoon to show your kids that's not stupid, is that, um, The Avengers. What about the uh, Iron Man, uh, and Hulk one on Netflix? It's on Netflix. The Netflix, like, mashups? I don't know. I've watched a couple of those, and I didn't think they were great. My daughter loves the one, it's really super non-canonical seeming, but there's one where, like, there's, like, the children Avengers. It's, like, Hank Pym's son... And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually pretty good. And Tony Stark's an old man. He's like Dumbledore. He takes care of them <laughs> on some kind of a lonely island where they got scroll bots and the suits are in a museum. It's pretty good. I think that's good. We should, you know what we should do? You know, I'm going to write this down under Derek's comment. Uh, talk about not that terrible superhero cartoons. You know what disturbed Cash most about The Godfather 2? It didn't have any uh, vermin in it? No, it's the, the, the scene, spoiler, where... Um, where the the Godfather uh, Don Corleone uh, shoots as a he's a young man shoots the the previous Godfather, the evil Godfather. Wait, and wait, what, 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 what are you talking about? The freshman? What are you talking Godfather about? Godfather two. Your son has not seen Godfather two. Yeah, sure. Dan, Dan Moises Benjamin, you showed your son the Godfather two. Well, it was on, and my mom, uh, my well, mom said, uh, "Oh, I should turn this off." I said, "No, he, he can handle it." Mazel tov. And he, uh, Lechaim. Yeah. And he saw that one scene. But what disturbed him was that you, he's used to it when people get shot that they're instantly blown away, dead. And you. Oh, and it, t- it takes a while. And he gets shot and, he, and he, he, he's sort of like, he's in the corner, he's in the, uh, the hallway. Yeah. Oh, and I he lo- takes I a few so shots and he, and he just kind oh. of drops at the last second. Yes. But, he's, but you could tell he's like, but, but also the fact that Corleone's got like a cheap pistol, like wrapped up in a rag to yeah. hide it. Yep. And then it, when it lights on fire, oh my God, I love that so much. Well, that was not planned, I've read. That was not part of the I, script, right? Oh, that totally works for me because like, I'm guessing that was an incredibly cheap pistol that he got from uh, yeah. Cal- Calzone, what's his name, his buddy, um, that he got from, uh, you know, uh, Fat Clemenza. Uh, oh yeah, that's that that's sequence. No, that's a different, That's you're thinking of the, the, the Godfather 1 where Clemenza gives him the the gun and tells him I've got tape on it and you know drop it right after it. No, that that's this is two. He just had some cheap gun that he was running around the t- the town with. So 
<laughs> well, there, there's a difference. Dan, how does how does Vito Corleone meet Clemenza? Oh yeah, he hands him a box of guns. Right. Yes. 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 And get him a rug. Be nice for his wife. Yeah, I need you to hold these for me. I don't even know where you begin with Godfather 2, but I'm just telling you, I remember uh, one of the f- film class I sat in on in college, just, I don't know, I'm, I guess I'd probably seen Godfather 2, but it was just to talk about the sequence with the parade mm-hmm. and going after Finucci. Finucci, right? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, I think that's his name. Just wants, Don Finucci just wants to wet his beak. <laughs> oh my God, this is too violent for me. Oh my God, I love that movie so much. That's probably my favorite movie. Ever? You know, I almost feel like I need to update sometimes, but I really... It's a uh, good movie. It holds up beautifully. Man. I, I did something I shouldn't have done. I've really, I've caused, I've, 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 I've rent my family in twain with something that I did the other night that was really stupid. What happened? I don't know why I do things like this. I sat there and, and as we were watching uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 for the second time, I sat down, I looked at, I, I don't know, what am I thinking? I sat down in Solver while we're watching the movie. <laughs> went to IMDb. Oh, I went to IMDb. I dropped in, uh, you know, HP one, HP two, HP three through HP eight, and the runtime for each Harry Potter movie indicated the ones that we'd seen twice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what this is. See this, guys, guys who are not married, guys who don't have ladies, guys, girls who don't have guys, don't do this. This, this is dumb. This seems well. What you're saying, if you were a single person, this seems reasonable. It seems reasonable to sit around your underwear watching Harry Potter movies three times and calculating how much time you'd spent watching it. Totally. And I, I held the iPad to my wife and I said, "Look, we've watched 24 hours of Harry Potter movies. We've spent a whole day of our life watching these." And she was not happy. No, that is not good marriage math. Is she anti like TV and movies, and you're sort of fighting an ongoing battle with? Can Absolutely I... not. No, we we have reached. I uh, well, we've never really disagreed about it. We talked a long time ago about the basic problem of, at least in my estimation, a little TV is a fun thing, and a little more TV can be a good thing. But there's an absolutely invisible line you won't notice until it's been crossed, which is now there's been too much TV and everybody's sad. And I know there's just some things that I have to be careful about, like you know. So here's my pitch. This is my my feeling on this, and I am prepared to be shown wrong and for this to be played on NPR 20 years from now as examples of how stupid people used to be. But I really feel like if she sits down and watches Harry Potter, she sits down and watches The Incredibles, she sits down and watches what I consider a good movie with a story and stuff to talk about. I mean, that's not really a strap on. Like, I really, hmm? I really think that's an important thing. It's like, in the, like, like I posted something on my, on my uh, Tumblr today. Like, all the like Britishisms we've learned from Harry Potter. Lots of things to talk about. Like, why they do this instead of that. Like, is is, is Harry maybe a little evil? Do we know? Like, what's going on? There's all this fun stuff. Star Wars, right? There's so much to talk about when you watch Star Wars about how human beings operate. And let's be honest, aliens. And so, uh, but my feeling is like, I would rather she sit down and watch a two-hour movie. Then watch a succession of Ben 10 episodes. Oh, seriously. Or whatever. And so, so the thing is, though, you know, sometimes, you know how it is. Like, you just want to, like, have a half an hour to wake up. Or four hours to wake up. Whatever. I was going to say half an hour would be. <laughs> but, you know, and so the problem is, you know, I'll tell you what really makes this sad. I'm curious about this in your house. Like, we try, to, we, we try really hard to have boundaries. During the school year, there's no TV on school nights. And we slip into more movie stuff during the summertime because it's just camp who cares about camp but 
but you know, our problem is okay. So, so you showed your kid Godfather too. So, like that's well, obviously parts of it. Parts of it. <clears throat> yeah, but uh, you know, what my daughter loves. <laughs> she her favorite TV show is Bob's Burgers. Oh which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is easily one of the greatest TV shows of all time. I need to get on that bandwagon. Oh my goodness! But even the very first episode, which is one of her favorites, it has stuff in it that she's not catching. But that she should not be seeing. But if she, if I capitulate, she's so, she says, I want to watch Bob's Burgers. And if I let her watch Bob's Burgers, then like as soon as it's over, she really, it's like potato chips. She really wants another one. Ditto Simpsons. And it's like, that's too much spazzy, caustic sarcasm mm. in 22 minute bursts for a six year old. And now I'm the bad guy though, because now I've got to go, oh, let's go watch a Harry Potter documentary for a few minutes and then bath time. So, how do you get happiest kid out of media viewing? What, what, what is your best case scenario for cash in particular? Oh, it's there. It's really tough. We do not have any kind of rules about television. There is the rules about iPad and how much you can be on the iPad because the longer he plays the Lego Avengers or Lego X-Men or whatever, Batman, those are the only games he plays now. And the Avengers is the current obsession if he plays it for too long, he really starts getting weird and aggressive. So that, but the TV doesn't doesn't seem to have that effect. Uh, yeah, so we don't is, have a limit. I mean, it's not like he watches it all day, but it's it's on too much. It's on a lot, and we don't we don't limit that. Right, which is my well, failing as a human. But I know I know the feeling. But you know the um the, the thing with the iPad games. My daughter plays mostly. <laughs> We were over at the Simpsons uh, residence a couple weekends ago, and my daughter was introduced to Minecraft by Scott's son. Oh, nice. And he's really good at Minecraft, and they got the giant iMac, and he's just he's got books, and he's just flying through all of this. And I, on one hand, I was, I was happy because Eleanor, all of Eleanor's friends who are guys are like obsessed with, um, and her friends are mostly guys, are obsessed with Minecraft. And I have, as much as I am open to screens as the way we learn about the future, like I have been really circumspect about introducing even the idea of Minecraft into the house because mm. everybody I know says the same thing. It's like I I, I don't have my kid anymore. <laughs> All they think about is Minecraft now. But any of those games where you have to make little short decisions and fast things, like I I, I would get keyed up. Like when I came out of the arcade in nineteen eighty three, I was not relaxed. No, you were definitely you were sort of what what they would call today tur- uh, turned up. It's like that Charlie Daniels song, "Still in the Stargate." You know? <laughs> no, you would leave and you would definitely have – and it's not like he's necessarily more aggressive or anything. It's just he's just – Heat up. Heat up, amped up, turned up, you know. Turned he's up. like mm-hmm. ready to go lift some cars. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I, I may be proven wrong about this because – and, you know, so, okay. Also, let me let me stipulate the, the, the thing here that, that should be said because no one cares. Um like, I think people who say, we only watch seven minutes of PBS once a week, and it has to be educational, and we've got to get them off to Kumon and violin lessons. And like, I, and it's not that. I think if you try to strap on too much educational stuff, you're fooling yourself. And I think you're basically trying to make yourself feel like a better parent by thinking that Caillou is helping anything. Mm. Oh. Caillou. But you know, you can't be too mean about Caillou. You know why? It's really sad. You know about this? Have you, have you, ever, have you ever had to watch Caillou? That is, is that it's the, the, it's the worst show that's ever been made? It's the Canadian show about the little boy who whines a lot and he's got a, a really, really sketchy next door neighbor. 
And, and his sister Rosie, who's this who, sounds who's, familiar, but this is not this is not in, in our repertoire. And every right time now. anything anything anytime anything happens in the house, if a piece of toast slides off the plate, the dad goes, "Oh no." Oh yeah, okay, yes, we've talked about this. Yes, of course I've seen this show. Now it's uh, so he's a little bald kid. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> no, I've seen that. I can't my kids are absolutely disinterested in this show. They will I mean, not. You're, you're telling me that like Caillou and Sid the Science Kid are going to help your kid more than Adventure Time. Adventure Time, you learn a lot about life. You really learn about so many aspects of like uh, not you know, just, just life but friendship and weirdness have you seen it's that like, great circle of life one where they're they're uh they're oh birds and then, my oh, god so that good. was so bananas so good you know what i'm obsessed about now between the comic and the show i'm kind of obsessed with the fact that you know princess bubblegum has always been presented as like obviously she's the hermione granger she's like really smart she mm-hmm. knows all the stuff she does all the things but like how much of what's screwed up about the kingdom has something to do with with her playing Frankenstein. Like her failed experiments yeah. end up causing a lot of the... She made lemon grab. Yeah. My, she, she said it was my second failed experiment, right? No, her first. Was it her first one? First. I don't know what the second was, but there has That's been lots of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Terrible stuff. Anyway, uh, we're getting off the, top, the topic of the day, which is Glengarry Glenn Ross. Right. But... Yeah, I, we, we talked about this on, on Roderick a couple weeks ago, and like the idea of like you know, uh, to us, you people like you and me think about computer stuff. We think about internet stuff, even though that's what we do. It's still like this thing where we're from a different age. We're from the age of the payphone and the magnetic in outboard, you know. And and so to us, it still feels like this exotic thing where we were always made to feel bad for watching TV. I should not have watched it the eight hours of TV that I watched when I was a kid. It was terrible. But, you know, it's made me the, the, the twisted man that I am. But, you know, but at the same time, like, would you tell your kids you're only allowed to read educational books? Like, if your kid is learning to read, would you tell them you can only read things that are educational for an hour a day? Well, no, of course not. I mean, this, doesn't that seem silly on the face of it? If your kid's enthusiastic about putting words into their face, like, you're going to hand them whatever you want. Dora, sure, have a Dora book. Like, if you're into words, enjoy this book. Right. But we, but then we've got this bugbear of of iPads, where we go, oh yes, but this thing is that's going to lead them astray, and they're going to be sending selfies to to men in Germany. It's like no, like if they want to do something on the iPad, that's the new literacy. That's like you getting a typewriter when you were five. I think no, it really is. It's so weird because there there used to be this clear line uh, be, between you are watching TV and you are not watching TV. And there was Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers and maybe Electric Company was borderline (laughs) as far as these are things that are okay to watch because they're educational. But even those don't watch too much of that because you'll rot your brain out if you even if it's with Sesame Street or something that was good. Yeah. And then later there were like, well, there's Saturday morning cartoons like Bugs Bunny. You definitely don't want to watch too many of those. You definitely don't want to watch too much. Caveman. I mean, how much did we really learn from that many hours of Captain Caveman? I learned a lot from Speed Racer about about, uh, the hiding in trunks, the man woman dynamic. Mm. And I learned a lot uh, from Ultraman about, you know, standing up for yourself. Yeah, and then making that thing with your hands. She watch. Also, time management. Yeah, very much time management. Because he gets a push notification, his chest starts beeping, and he realizes he's got to finish uh, beating up the razor turtle so that he can get back to being a guy with a spoon. That's right. It's and really all, it's there, it's on the screen. It's right there, everything we do now. 
Everything, everything is a, is a mashup. But what you wind up with is a, a concept of like, he's watching too much TV or you've watched too much TV today. Then you introduce into this gaming consoles. So you've got Atari and then ColecoVision and then Intellivision and you've got Nintendo and on and on and on. And that became a second bad thing you couldn't do too much of. You, you know, but now where do you draw the line? Is it, well, how much iPad is too much iPad? What if the things you're doing on the iPad are truly educational or problem solving or teaching you some kind of, you know, phonetic sounding out of words or something? You know what I'm saying? Or just Edu- learning how to manipulate things on a screen. Right. You know, I, I mean, isn't there the, a value? Aren't they building skills that they'll use for the rest of their life there? Is this? See, I, I, I don't know, but I think so. And here, here's one, one thing, and I think you're really, start, you're kind of nailing it, is that for me growing up as a latchkey kid and having way too much access to TV, you know, the thing is me watching a little black and white TV in the house was a form of safety. At least if I was mm. home, I wasn't outside like, you know, holding up a liquor store or something. I was somewhere, it was a known quantity. And it's the lesser of evils in some ways. But at the same time, I grew up with a feeling of otherness about TV. That as much as I love TV and devour TV and can still tell you like the full schedule for Tuesday nights on ABC when I was a kid. Mm. Like I, I... developed a sense of otherness whereas I got older you know of course you know you realize TV's stupid a lot of the time you start watching Letterman and making fun of everything but like you know I I, I realize that I am beating this analogy way too far but honestly I mean books are are books or reading in general are very are they're highly interactive in the sense that you have to be there to like get the words into your brain and have it make sense but it, it really is not the same thing as sitting there and learning your times tables. You know, that, that is kind of drudgery. But reading, I mean, again, with these Harry Potter books, there's, I was reading on, the, on Wikipedia, which is never wrong, about just the extraordinary, something I heard a long time ago, which is that kids, kids succeed in stuff when a lot of factors are in place. But one of the factors that helps a lot, yes, for literacy, but also just for life and interactions and stuff, the number of words they hear by a certain age from people and the number of words they read by a certain age. But just the fact that there's like, I think there's some emerging numbers about how many books you have in your house or how much exposure to books you have and how that leads to somebody wanting to or not wanting to learn to read. Hmm. Or, you know, or for that matter, let's, God, let's not make it about books. Wanting to or not wanting to learn about how stories tell us things about our lives, about how there are things we can learn to understand from hearing stories from people. So, you know, I think part of this problem is a false dichotomy, I feel like. Where like we, our generation and older, uh, is from a different time where we're still part of that uh, tradition of the canon. And the idea of like, well, it's okay if you sit down and read Bullfinch's mythology, but it's not okay if you sit down and read Encyclopedia Brown. It's definitely not okay if you just sit down and and look at uh, Dynamite Magazine. Well, it's probably not the most nutritional thing in the world. If you're avoiding homework to do that, maybe that's not great. I don't know. But uh, so be it. But 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 I, I don't know. I guess what I just this? feel like what is what this? What does this mean? Maybe nothing. I don't know. Is there hell on earth? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really going anywhere with this. You can hear me struggling as as you do. I, I'm struggling with myself to want to be a good parent, and yeah, to want to seem like a good parent, but also like you know, my kid can walk onto the playground at camp, recognize a TARDIS joke, and then totally blow a sixth grader out of the water with how much she knows about Doctor Who. That makes me feel good because there are worse things that you could know a ton about than Doctor Who. Yeah. You know, but then I see the kids. I don't know. Like, am I, should I get her into Pokemon? Is that something we should be doing? 
What about, uh, well, what about what's that card game? Um, uh, game of Threats? What's the one where you have little cards? Uh, Magic uh, the Gathering? Time, time Gatherers? I yeah. Should I, get, should I make her play that? I would say no. Yeah. I don't know. I think that there is this interesting dynamic, and it's funny because uh, you, you talk about watching TV, and I know so many, and before, listen, before he was of a certain age, we were very strict about, oh, he can watch, you know, one Yoga Abba per day and that's it. And at some point we it were went- the same way, up, 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 to, up until definitely until two. Like we two were, or three. Because yeah. everything we read in, in our, in our uh, what's, what is it Marge reads in The Simpsons? She reads Fretful Mother Magazine. Everything we had read in Fretful Mother Magazine over the years told us that like there should be pretty much zero screens until you're two. Right. And then we were very strict about that. But the weird thing is, it, well, at some point that- all went away and it's just whatever but it's funny because you you know i know so many people that will like they'll let their kids watch stuff but it's only netflix with the commercials taken out or it's you know what i'm saying like they won't and then you always inevitably you will hear the tweet from this person and this is i i probably can count 10 times i've heard this from from my friends and and i'll tweet about it staying with my you know with my uh, wife's sister's family uh, they watch regular tv wow, commercials are obnoxious and loud and gosh, I can't believe how awful consumerism is and we haven't watched commercials for three years and we're pure. And that's it's, me. <laughs> you know, but, but that's the thing. It's like I went through the same thing after we stopped sort of just watching, uh, like we're going to watch this one episode of this one show and it's yeah. because we got it on iTunes. We watch this, we watch this Sid the Science Kid right. and then we turn off the TV. Yeah, when I went to just like, well now the TV's sort of on for a while and we still try to watch it on Netflix or iTunes and we still prefer movies to TV shows. Still, the TV's on and it's amazing because like my kid, he is such a sponge and he's he started speaking when he was six months old. Surprise. He started talking when he was six months old and he never had baby talk. Like my little girl who's almost three, she get, she she's smart and she's articulate and she understands everything and can say things, but she still sounds appropriately like a little girl, a little baby girl at her age. He never had baby talk. He never, he, it was weird. Uh, but my point is he can now remember almost verbatim almost every commercial that he has ever seen. And if I, wow. yeah. And they if, really make an impression, don't they? It really, it re, they really do. And if I, if I start singing like the intro jingle to a commercial, he can finish it. It's really funny. And, uh, it, it's, it's just, it's not funny. Maybe it's not funny. Uh, but it, it's crazy what they really do pick up and what they retain. And that brings me back to that thing of like, when is too much TV? When is too much iPad? Is it, you know, should there be a limit? Yeah. I say yes, but it's I don't so hard know. to know. It's so hard to know. It's so hard to know what, what's going to go into the sponge. And, and so here's, here's a funny, um, anti-pattern or, or counter example is that I, yeah, I'm that guy. I prided myself on the fact that unless we were in a hotel room or at like, you know, her aunt, her aunt's house, like she just didn't see commercials. But you know what's funny is now I kind of feel like the people you hear about who never let their kids play in mud and now they get sick all the time. Like she never got inoculated or mm. she never got, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, well, so I almost feel like I've slathered her in Purell for the last six years. Because here's what's funny is that when we go out to eat at the diner by our house, which of course, like everywhere in America is full of televisions. Right. Every, right. It has to be. You can't miss anything. Well, you know, if you if you miss Judge Judy, you're not going to know. Uh, so, but every screen, just daytime TV, usually sports a lot at this place. She is mesmerized. She is completely mesmerized because the commercials are by design 
a lot more exciting and well-paced than the TV shows. They mm-hmm. got to jam a lot into 15 or 30 seconds or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of funny. So now you're right. Now that is more memorable because now that's the, the special thing. She gets to watch commercials. She loves commercials. Speaking of which, Dan, could you tell me about something you like? I can tell you we have, uh, we have one thing to tell you about this week. One thing that it, it better be good. Let me tell you about something important. Let's talk about something important. Let's talk about something important. It's Squarespace. The all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, online store. You can do literally anything (laughs) with this. And this is the kind of software that Merlin and I uh, used to dream about and try every day to build. And if this had existed years ago, we neither of us would have had jobs, I would think, because it really truly does let you do almost anything that you want on the web. If you just want to you just want to blog, you can just blog. If you want product pages and you want to sell stuff, you can do that. If you want to make a beautiful website that's responsive and adaptive for your business, for your company, for your iOS app, you name it, you can just go to Squarespace and do this. And it's so straightforward and it's so easy and it starts at like 8 bucks a month. And you can create control the layout and the content just by dragging and dropping. It really is just as simple as possible. They've got so many different templates that are really, really gorgeous. You can customize them easily so that the site that you build doesn't look like everybody else's site. I find myself as I'm looking around the web and reading things on the web, I'll be like, oh, that's Squarespace. And the only way you know is because they chose to have that little, you know, Squarespace link at the bottom of it. You would not know otherwise because you can customize the heck out of this. And it really, really is the future of the web. And it's funny. I was, uh, I forget who it was that somebody was talking to me about. They, you know, they're, they've started a new, uh, they have a new iOS app or something. And they're like, well, I guess I got to go hire a designer and, and build a website. I'm like, why you can't afford eight bucks a month for your new iOS app? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, come on, like Squarespace, like if you just want to type stuff in and it's going to look amazing, they even have a logo builder for you. If you want to build a logo, they've thought of everything. You're a musician, go ahead, put up your, uh, put up your music and they have a built-in player. You can host podcasts there. You Dan, name Dan it. podcasts. This is something podcasts. people don't talk about podcasts. enough. Podcasts. Podcasting. Podcasting. It's really <laughs> so simple. You prepare your audio file, you upload it and attach it to a post. And it's, it's, it's ridiculously easy to do. It's, it's so simple. And you just, the thing that, 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 that you don't get about Squarespace, I'm thinking of the, you, you know, you're, you're kind of talking about the SourceForge days, days when we would be back there downloading yeah. all these things and going into these, you know, uh, configuration files and trying to move the block. Where is the appearance of the block in the side rail? Where you couldn't have underscores in the name of the block. You, could, you know, you had to have underscores because you couldn't have spaces. Remember that in the PHP nuke days? And, and now with, with the podcasting stuff, like all of these things, you may not even realize how many different parts of this Squarespace is handling for you. It's, there's like there's five or six different incredibly annoying pieces to hosting a website that you just don't even have to think about anymore. You're just a pure content producing machine. You make your podcast, you put it up, it goes out, and you're done. That's done. all there is to it. It's all there done. is to it. So the way that uh, that you're going to make uh, this uh, amazing deal that that we put together for you to get to get it down to only eight bucks a month is uh, is to use a code, and the code is it's your show. All, uh, all one word, all caps. It's your show. And the place to go is squarespace.com. You can go to squarespace.com slash five by five, of course. But the code you're going to want to use when you sign up for this is it's your show. So go check it out. That'll give you 10% off uh, your sign up and everything else. Thank you very much to Squarespace for making this episode of Back to Work with Merlin Man possible.
Dan Benjamin. <clears throat> um, we got some follow-up. Can I kind of proceed with the follow-up? Yeah, go ahead, caller. Thank you very much, uh, first-time closer. This is a uh, Glengarry-related follow-up, um, s- filling in some of these gaps. Zig Ziglar, <laughs> the late, great Zig, Zig Ziglar, just passed a couple of years ago. Uh, the book that I was thinking of was called See You at the Top. And it's one of those books, it's like, it's like later the kind of book that Tom Peters would write with really big letters and lots of things written in all caps and stuff like that. And all, it is about, and I was, I was momentarily um, confusing it with Norman Vincent Peale's Power of Positive Thinking, probably because the book is about positivity. But it's, it's I think that's where I first learned about the round to it. Also, uh, if, you, if you look at show notes, Dan, I've entered in some links uh, about round to it's. And uh, you can go to the, uh, the self-described uh, like canonical round to it site of the web where you can buy a round to it that is Arthurian. <laughs> you could buy a round to it that is Roman. And if you don't know, a round to it is a round disc with, with the letters T-U-I-T on it because you never get a round to it. But now you have that. And this is exactly the kind of thing that, that people in sales do. They buy an Arthurian round to it. It's very... It, <laughs> Knights of the round to it. Dang. Cheesy isn't the right word. Oh yeah, sure it is. Is it? Yeah, irreprehensible. No, no, it's it's you know it's it's not any different than life hacker and maybe me, which is that we're trying to get. There's this idea about the out there that something that may seem incredibly complicated and may seem out of reach, and we're going to put it a little bit in reach for you. That's kind of what a life hack does. You know, it's not so different from putting your briefcase by the door. The round to it, if you carry that around in your pocket like a doofus, every time you see it. It's going to stimulate in you the idea that there's stuff that you've been putting off that you could do it, and now you've got a round to it. It's dumb. People used to tie string around their finger to remember stuff. You know, the, but the notion That's is, weird. It, it is, yeah, it is weird. It is weird. It seems like that would be bad for circulation. you get like a neurasthenia. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, as you know. But, but, uh, well, how's your pinch uh, doing? You know what? I can't get into it. I, it's, it's moved. It's moved. Yeah, I got a little bit in my tricep, a little bit. I, I got to talk to John Syracuse. I think I might need one of those, one of those creepy cast things you wear. And you know what it is also? I, 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 John uh, revises against this. I, I, my palms are down when I'm typing, and I know you're not supposed to do that. No, you're not supposed to do that, but I do that. Yeah, you're supposed to look like Rachmaninoff. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, so that's round to it. You know what else I remembered? Hmm. I was just telling you, you know, in, in the program about how often, like, at, at this real estate office or anywhere you're around salespeople, there are all, all these little uh, gimmicks and catchy things and things to, like, you know, get you excited. Um, my mom, when she moved to when we moved to Florida and she sold real estate, the place where she sold real estate was merged or acquired by Merrill Lynch, and this is probably circa 1983, 84. And I'll never forget this. So Merrill Lynch, what's what's their logo? What's their symbol? Oh, it's the little. Oh uh, gosh, it's an animal. Yeah, it is. It a. Let me think for a second. This will come back to me. It is it's not a little. Li- it's a bull, right? It's, a, it's bull. a bull. It's like an outlined. Yes. Bull. Yeah, and and in keeping with the mood of the '80s, this is around the time Glengarry Glen Ross was written. They for a while, even though it was Merrill Lynch, uh, Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner, and Smith, but their uh, their real estate arm, you know, even though it wasn't in the investment arm per se, it was its own like business unit or whatever. The the for a while, the slogan for the company was "We're bullish," mm-hmm. and I think obviously here we're talking about bull versus bear markets. Yeah, 
So, I mean, it benefits you as an investment company to say we're bullish. Well, you know, go, go do more transactions. This is a good thing. But, you know, it all ties in with the brand and stuff like that. It's, it's a brilliant idea. The, you remember the bull in those commercials when we were kids? You remember, you know, you, so you start associating all those ideas. That's great brand engagement. And so as a, as a, uh, a motivator for everybody in the real estate office, Merrill Lynch uh, printed out, didn't print out, they had produced novelty bull turds on on a little wooden platform with straw sticking out of it. I mean, it looked like a bull had crapped on your desk. And this was actually an official thing that everybody in the office was expected to have on their desk was a piece of fake bull manure. And on it, I believe if memory serves, it said on it, we're bullish. Is that something you enjoy having on your desk? I mean, I'm office? trying to imagine this. Yes. It, I, it, it might be it might be one of those Oprah memories. Kitchy? Maybe it didn't really happen. Is it kitschy? What is the, what is the word the right word for that? Uh, horrifying. <laughs> yeah, that is that's a word. You you you, you bring in the Nyborgs. Can I get you a coffee? Let me grab the plot books. Here's our crisscross. And by the way, here's my fake laminated bull poop. Because company. I, Isn't that odd? Isn't that yeah, kind of odd? Yeah, no, it's really odd. And I think back then it was like, do you remember these things? I think they were called Moonies or something where it was like a, a chubby little guy that had a tube connected to it with a bulb at the end. And when you squeeze the bulb, it would cause the little fat guy to drop his trousers and you'd see his butt and he would moon you. Oh, yeah. That's, do you remember that's... what I'm talking about? Yeah, that that does sound familiar. That's that's from the era of uh, Spencer Gifts, I think. Yes, uh, Spencer Gifts, correct. And you that, might get a, you might get a bird that's poking in the water glass. Yep. You can get a guy dropping his pants. That's the kind of thing that your uncle would have in his basement bar. Right. The bar is open. So this kind of stuff, I think, encouraged. You know, the pet rock. Oh sure. You know this kind of thing. Like that was funny back then. That was like a funny thing to have. Like, look. But now it America just, was having fun. It was a fun place to live. It was a fun place to be. Yes. 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 So that's pretty good. She had she did not like having that on her desk. Um what else did I have? Oh, the book. I don't even know if this book is still in print. I mentioned that the book that I had read where I learned about the publisher's clearinghouse stuff. If memory serves, it was a book called The Naked Consumer. And um you know, I I haven't looked at it in years. I don't know if it's still in print. But, uh, you know, as somebody who had thought a lot about, you know, Marxism and hegemonic ideology in college and television, um, <laughs> yes, that's what I studied in college. Uh, those things, the way that those things intersected, I was very interested in this book, The Naked Consumer, mm -hmm. that at the time was kind of revolutionary. Um, you know, there'd been books before, like, uh, what's it called? Like subliminal persuasion, the Vance Packard book about how they put people having intercourse and ice cubes in Sprite ads and yes, stuff like that. Yes. Which I think, yes, which I think has been pretty roundly disproven as, as crazy business. As like the they didn't really do it or it doesn't really work. I don't think it, I don't, I, I think it's, I, I don't think, well, A, I don't think a lot of that stuff was that deliberate. B, if it was deliberate, I doubt that it has any kind of an overt has an effect on anybody who's not already kind of a pervert looking for naked people in ice cubes. <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't know. But in, but in any case, in this book, this guy reveals a lot of the, you know, that's where I first learned about like why grocery stores are laid out the way they're laid out. Yeah. Why it is that stuff, this is in the 90s, like why, why it is that the stuff for kids is at, you know, a kid level, 
right? The kid kids level get, meaning height, a kid's height level. Yeah, and okay. ditto for like all the impulse purchases and the checkout. And all this stuff now, we're all smart, right? There's the internet. We know about this stuff. But that was real eye-opening to me. The stuff about first learning about the ability for companies to actually buy, kind of buy out sections. Something I read recently I thought was interesting is why is it that you go to, I mean, have you tried to buy chicken soup lately? Or you go and you try and buy like Uncle Ben's rice, try to buy any rice, go to try to buy anything like a McCormick spice, and you go and it's, it's so puzzling. You're like, where in the hell is the garlic powder? Hmm. This is so disorienting. Well, it's because by having more, or for that matter, going by dish liquid, look at how many kinds of dish liquid one company puts out. And you can guess why, because that's more cubic inches of space they get to take up. They don't really think people are going to be that into lavender power rinse brand, Mm -hmm. seventh generation. It's that they want all of that facing the consumer. So anyway, that's where I first read about this. That's where I read about the Publishers Clearinghouse stuff. It's where I first learned about a phenomenon that's kind of obsessed me since then. I think it's called chronographics. But it's the notion that if you can start knowing about a consumer from the time that they're born, you can market to them through their whole life. And the example they give is how Procter and Gamble. Uh, oh, this is so effed up. Procter and Gamble would basically pay hospitals to have a basket, a welcome to the world basket that you'd give to a new mother with stuff like Pampers diapers in it. Yeah, great stuff. Like um, Seems what nice. they did was what they learned was that if you put their branded their brand of formula basically they discovered the time that a woman who was breastfeeding was most likely to just want to give up and everybody eventually wants to give up if it's not going well it can be super hard mm-hmm. super frustrating you feel like a failure your kids hungry it's it's an awful thing terrible it can be really hard for for, for a lot of people and so they figured out when a woman was most likely to be ready to abandon breastfeeding and that's when they'd bring in this basket <laughs> with like a whole bunch of stuff like formula and things in it. It seems it seems evil. I mean, it really does. It seems like this is preying upon people in some way. Well, remember when you first started getting credit card offers when you're in college or just yeah. out of college? Like it's all this stuff where like, we, this goes back to the Glengarry Leeds. Once you know how old somebody is, where they live and like roughly what they do, the power of a zip code. I mean, what you can know about or what you can kind of infer about somebody with like three points of data, like when they were born, what zip code they live in. Um, and maybe something like, when's the last time they bought a car? Isn't it funny that you start getting things like a certain number of years into owning a car? You start hearing about like wanting to buy another car. How, how weird is that? Yeah. Or, you can start to triangulate a lot about somebody's life. Um, you know what the other but, thing that, that they do now is they start emailing you when your warranty for the car that you bought is about to expire, but it's not coming from the company that you bought the car from. It's not coming from Honda for your Honda. It's coming from some other company that's trying to sell you on their strange warranty. Have you yeah. ever seen that? You run into that? I, I've seen things like that. Yeah, for sure. But the reason I'm mentioning this here is I don't know if that book is still of any interest. I don't know if it's been updated. Uh, but I really, it was a great book at the time for me because it was, it was right in my wheelhouse in terms of my paranoia about, you know, things like marketing and media stuff. But the, the reason I'm, I'm trying to mention here is I, I think this was clear in the episode, the Glengarry episode, but I want to just clarify what I was saying is that, you know, the, the thing today about like Google and Facebook being able to track your movements through cookies and be able to give you ads that are relevant, deciding which of your friends' posts you shouldn't see. Like, all that kind of stuff is still, it's so current. I mean, really, it's, it's something that's in the headlines right now. But this idea of being able to, I, I don't mean this to sound so um, 
you know, uh, Darth Vader, but the ability to track people and infer information about what they might want to buy goes back a really, really, really long way. And, and I think that's what you're seeing in Glengarry Glen Ross. I mean, they're selling people this useless property. If they know a good lead is somebody who probably has the money, maybe has bought stuff before, but is also open to the pitch. So I don't know. I, I, I think that's, that's a grace note in the movie, but it's something I find really fascinating is trying to kind of pray take the information you have about these people, these people that they may not know you have about them and figure out how to leverage that into a sit and a sale. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I totally do. And I think when you imagine like the best, the, the best sales people are not people, they're companies, they're places like Google. They're, you know, when it's funny, we had, we ordered a little, a little on air light for the studio here so that you could, you know, so that when people walk in the front door, they can look up and there'll be this tiny little light. It says on air. It's like what they use in a you know, professional studio. Yeah, and that's official. You're like WKRP now. That's exactly what we're like. And, you know, having something like that, there's a whole process of like, we have to be approved by building management and all of this nonsense. But that's not even the interesting part. The interesting part is I bought one of these things from a company I'd never heard of before. And they were, you know, in Ocala. And, Ever since I bought that now, whenever I go to, I would say 50% of the web pages that I go to now, Google ads is serving up basically more on air lights to me. Um, the, you know, what? yes, uh, yes. And <sighs> instead of, you know, the, the usual ad, just generic ads now. So I have somewhere I've been tracked. There's a cookie that I'm taking around with me everywhere. And now I will go to a page where I'm reading, you know, the latest, you know, the latest rumor about the new Sapphire glass for the iPhone six and three ads on that page show pictures of different on air lights for me. And it's, it is just, when you think about how integrate, that's one example. When you think about how pervasive this is online and how that, you know, somewhere it's, and, and I know from being a software developer that they don't just know that I bought that. They know that I bought that. Right. And they now know that I'm looking at this Mac rumors page or whatever it is, um, you know, tech block page about that has a video on it from this guy who has supposedly one of, you know, that they're, and they know what video I've looked at and they know what sites I've been going to. Do I really care? No, not really, but they know this. And the best salespeople are not the people who are going to go and, you know, have a sit with you anymore. The the best salespeople are companies like Google that know tons and tons and tons and tons yes. of information about you. Well, they should, they should be the best. I, I, I'm constantly, I hear this from so many people. I'm so perplexed by the kinds of ads I see sometimes. Because honestly, I've got ads blocked on everything that I can. But then I'll still see it, you know, when I'll see that telltale obvious you know, a Google AdSense ad come up, but it's it it seems like they just don't know what to make of me. I feel like I get the most <laughs> like gen- you're, you're perplexing to them. Well, I feel like I get fallback run of run of network fill ads a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get so much stuff about mortgages, and I've never owned a house. That seems like one of the top ten things that you would want to know about somebody. So, I mean, I'm not saying that that proves or disproves anything, but that that tells me that that's not working that great. There's something about, about this also that is going to sound weird. I haven't thought about this, but um, but it's, I think that the, the, the outrage we all feel is sometimes about what's being done with this information. And, you know, it's, it is gross. It's really weird. I mean, you know, you can do stuff, this is, and again, I think this is where I first learned in that book, Naked Consumer, 
I'm probably concatenating some of these facts, but when I first learned about how <laughs> there was a time when you would go to Safeway or you would go to Ralph's or you would go to wherever and you would give them your check cashing card. Mm. That's what it was called at the time. Before they started having all of the like, you know, buy these 12 bags of sugar and get one free type things. You know, they eventually learned to try and stimulate you by getting these special deals. But it used to be that if you, everybody used to write checks at the grocery store and you needed a check cashing card. I think that's when the tracking stuff, that was the genesis of tracking your sales. And think about what your groceries say about you though. And, you know, Think about, um, I'm going to be a little weird and gross for a second, but like, think about like when you're a guy who's mostly bought six packs of beer and, you know, uh, Maxim, and then one day uh, you're buying champagne, and then another day you're buying fresh cut flowers, uh, and not long, maybe at some point you suddenly start buying diapers, and then you know, or put it differently. Maybe after the champagne, maybe you start buying tampons and pads and then you stop buying tampons and pads and you start buying diapers. And then at a certain point, you start buying tampons and pads again. What does that say about your life? It says a tremendous number of things about your life. First of all, it says that like me, you're a grown up man. You don't don't mind buying lady stuff uh, when you need to. But you know what I'm saying? There's so much you can tell about that. If, 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 If a known dude is buying lady products, there's a pretty good chance there's a lady in his house. In the morning, yeah. right? Yep. It, now that guy starts buying diapers. Now, you know that's a pretty good sign that there's yeah, a baby something in his life. something has changed. Yeah, and then and now they know the, that. Anyway, you, I, I'm, I don't don't want to put too fine a point on it, but I guess what I'm saying is like it's super gross to see what people do with this information for sure, especially because it's obviously still such a blunt instrument. Um, Serenity Caldwell was talking about how she, on I think the MacWorld podcast was talking about how she only uses Facebook to do her roller derby stuff. It's like the one reason is like roller derby related stuff and they don't know what to make of her. So like the ads that she gets are for like practically like, like grown up princess stuff, like engagement rings and, and fancy frilly things, which is not a very serenity thing to sell. Yeah, right. But it's funny, like they don't know what to make of you. So I mean, like what they do with it is really gross, but um, I'm much more weirded out by the fact I understand their motivation in wanting to sell stuff. That's completely natural. This is, it's never been any different. The salesman with the foot in the door, the classic you know, idea of somebody who wants to get, get in and try and sell you this vacuum or sell you this thing on, from Rio Rancho. But I got to say, it's, like, it's the fact that they're willing to collect that data in the first place that I find so strange. The, what they do with it is not that surprising, but it's the fact that you know, somebody's curiosity about peering between your curtains is the thing that I find really, really weird. I have absolutely no desire to peer between another person's curtains. I can't look at celebrity websites. I can't, I can't read a thing about Kim Kardashian's various uh, baby bumps. Like, I, I can't look at any of that stuff. It makes me incredibly uncomfortable. I agree with you. Why, though? Why, why do you feel that way? Why is that not interesting to you? Because I think, obviously, if you look at what's on the cover of every single magazine and which websites yeah. are doing the biggest business and getting the most ads and getting the most viewers... It's the Kardashian style websites, TMZ. Why? Yeah, why are well, you and why are you different from that? Little reason and a big reason. The little reason is that I personally find it gross to be that creepy about any other person. Uh, I do. I think that's really creepy. But the second reason is, is that I'm creeped out by the number of people who aren't creeped out by that. There's there's something that on a more I know that sounds like the same thing, but it's really not. The idea of somebody saying like, you know, can I stop by your house and take your photo or something? That would be really weird on a lot of levels. The, but you know, but you know, people are how they are. But the whole idea that there are like thousands and thousands of people who 
you know, it's one thing to go like, oh, I like Scarlett Johansson. I like George Clooney. I will buy this Vanity Fair thing to read about them because they seem like an interesting person and this is an inner. But like those long, um, you know, telephoto shots of somebody's butt on the beach makes me incredibly uncomfortable on a personal basis, but also on like a, like a social level. The fact that that's like out there and realizing how much that must be attracting somebody makes me extremely uncomfortable. So that, sounds, that might be the same thing. Now, why do you say? It makes you uncomfortable too. Well, yeah, I mean, it makes me uncomfortable in a sense. It's just, I don't find that I have that much interest in that. Like it doesn't, it doesn't mean a lot to me if a celebrity, uh, I'm assuming, you know, that they're, they're talking about it in an interview or something like that. Like if a celebrity wears a certain kind of clothing or drives a certain kind of car mm-hmm. or a watch or watches a show that they like, it doesn't mean anything to me personally. If they were to say, oh, the best watch it's, you know, I wear a Casio G-Shock watch, so, you know, it's my favorite watch. Like, that doesn't make me want to go out and get one, nor does it make me feel better about the one I already own. Maybe it would have if I was younger and more impressionable and a teenager and, like, you know. But then there are other things where I'm like, oh, yeah, Jimmy Page used that pedal on this song, and you know. That's yes. pretty cool. I might want to go get that pedal. Like that's different. There's something different because it's not a status thing as much as a quest for the great sound kind of thing. So there's, yeah. but I think that that, that carries over to, for a lot of people to find out like where did, well, if these people went to this place for their vacation, that I, I should go to that place for that vacation because it must be the best place. Well, no, the best place is where you are going to have the most fun with the people you're there with. And it doesn't really matter whether it's a cheap hotel or a nice hotel, you know, it's, it's where you will have the most fun as opposed to like a status thing. But I think, so I think that's part of it. But I also think that there, there is this it's, it's like intrigue or something that people really do want to know like what mm-hmm. somebody else is doing and they, they want to know like, are these people still together? Are they still apart? And I think it's different from watching hoarders and thinking, oh, God, I, you know, I thought my place was a mess. At least it's not like that, you know, oh. right? Like there's something about validating yourself. I think that people are looking for, and it's, I think you should be happy that you're not that interested in, in that kind of thing. People have a lot of, check out the link I sent you in Skype. Uh, people have a lot of, of reasons for being interested. I mean, I have a friend who's in the entertainment industry and she, I think she enjoys it like a horse race. The same way that like she likes following box office mojo and just seeing like what's happening with different people and like, like somebody would be interested in the billboard charts just as a watcher of the industry. I think there's that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's definitely a kind of thing where celebrities, and we're way off topic now, but where celebrities today have become like our, our, our version of a royal family where we're interested in what our betters are exactly, doing. Exactly, right. I think, that, I think that there's another one though that I, I don't know, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm being judgy, but I think there's a huge schadenfreude component where we're always wondering why our lives are the way they are and why other people got better lives. We're all, we're all basically Dave Moss. And we're wondering why everybody else got so lucky and how did you get a red BMW? And we love that schadenfreude of being able to look at somebody who's famous and talk about how their butt's big. And I read, I read something in, I want to say the New York Times blog, but I read something yesterday in the Instapaper about why it is that anger and rage seems to go around the internet so much more than happiness and joy. And the answer is so simple and obvious that it's amazing that, in my case, I had never thought of this. We tend to talk about the happiness and the joy and the good things that happen to our friends, the happiness and joy that happens to, you know, people around us. And so when somebody has a baby, like, you know, when, um, when, um, 
Now, Krista, you know, has a baby. I go, hey, everybody goes, hey, have a baby. Hey, you know, Philly girl had a baby. Hey, this is awesome. And you go, hey, thumbs up, you got a baby. That's really cool. Happiness and joy. Easy to share. Not that super interesting to people who don't know those people because it's just a stupid baby, right? Right. But to us, it's great. But if we're really mad about something, anger is so contagious mm. and anger is so much easier. Anger, when I say anger, just negative feelings in general are so much more viral. When you are mad because how they treated you at Chipotle today and what that means about your place uh, in social justice, uh, like that can turn into a thing where people are much more likely to glom on and share that. That's and it seems so, so ba- what's, what's the basic thing? Like the good and happy things and joyful things in our lives tend to stay very insular to our near circle, like the people who are one or two levels out from us. Whereas our, our rage and our anger and our inchoate sense of uh, drastic injustice about every aspect of our lives is something we can all share when, when our better angels are not the ones hitting post. It's very likely that we're going to pass that along to everybody we know, show common cause, but also then show, hey, I'm mad about this too. You know, hey, I'm thrilled about this too. You don't see that much beyond sports, unless it's Schadenfreude. Hey, I'm really thrilled that this guy got caught with his pants down. And I, you know, that's, I think that's- You know, but you bring up sports and that's a really, really uh, funny thing and an interesting thing to me because you you have this whole World Cup thing going on. I, I am one of those people who could not possibly be less interested in- uh, the World Cup, or as I'll I fight would, you for it, or I'll as I would call it. it, soccer. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> I'm pretty close. <laughs> I'm you may be more. <laughs> you may be more, be, and I'll tell you why. I think you probably care care even less than I do because I really, really do love, uh, you love baseball. Right? I football, love NFL, right? and and I I enjoy baseball, and I do care about a lot of football teams, and I do care about uh, one MLB team. And I, so I get that there are people in the, the smaller countries of the world um, who care quite a bit about soccer, as we call it. And, you know, like I, I – so I understand that. So generally I, I keep quiet about it because I understand that there are, you know, 16 or it's so really four, important it's games. Four years. Yeah, it's every- and it, it's, not, it's not a lot. It doesn't overwhelm me. And I just kind of go along with it. But these are the same people, the very same people – who, when I want to talk about the NFL, get, oh, sports ball. And I, you know, like it, you can't have it both ways. You either have to be tolerant of me when I talk about the NFL for, you know, for a few months in the colder part of the year, or, you know, or, 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 or don't talk about your sport when it comes on every four years. It's not, it is the same thing. I think you know? everybody wants it both ways though. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I fart roses and you're a bad person. That's how it goes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's just, it's, it's, you know, if who's doing it, who's saying it, how they're saying it, how often they're saying it all plays into that. Yeah, you're right. It is, it is incredibly, incredibly frustrating, but that's, you know, that's kind of what it is. We're really far off data. Can, can I, I know we're running out of time, but can, can I ask you, first of all, well, first of all, did you see the link I sent you? Oh, in the robot? Let me yeah. Go. I don't know why I, uh, I guess, uh, let's see, life and style in touch. There are certain magazines that have <laughs> seem really preoccupied with who may or may not be pregnant. Oh, look at this. This is a so, set that, that you've made. You can tell that's pre-iPhone. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at this, though. She looks so pregnant. Angie. Angelina Jolie. Angie looks pregnant again. Katie looks pregnant again. Nicole wow, Richie's look at that. Bump gets bigger. It's so gross. And I, I don't know why. It obsesses me. Katie looks pregnant again. When There's did two. the word bump 
become I okay to I do not like the word the term or phrase baby bump. That notice, just really bothers me. Notice the call outs to the telltale bump. <laughs> right, the big arrow. In case yeah. you missed it. That's what we're talking about right there. Follow the arrow. I'm a big fan of Poe. I always enjoy the telltale bump. The question I wanted to ask you as I went back and actually I listened to the uh, listened to the episode twice because I really liked it. Oh, it's good. We did good, by the way. Yeah, I, something that seems really obvious to talk about. I don't know if we have time. If we don't, cut me off. But um, when we got to the part where we were, we were talking about the different guys, I I got the feeling that you. I don't want to say that you admired Ricky, but it seemed like maybe was there something about his work ethic? It came through to me that you thought of Ricky as different. Than- I like no, I do like him. I like his character. Yeah, I wanted you to talk, have a chance to talk about that because I thought uh, that really came through for me. Whereas I look at Ricky and go, "Wow, this is a guy who seems like he got hit on the head by a sock full of pennies," you know, <laughs> with his with his crazy rants. But oh no, about- I'll tell you, I'll tell you what about him. I'll tell you why I like him because. Now I'm not I'm not necessarily saying that we uh we we compare uh, comparing him to Blake. Uh because I don't like Blake. Uh I don't really like any of the characters in this movie. I I like Williamson a little bit as a character, but I don't think I'd like him if I had to work with him. But I think I would like Ricky a lot, and I'll tell you why I like I like Ricky. Because his rant seems it seems a little incoherent it seems a little crazy <laughs> i think all of that is absolutely 100% intentional and i don't think that that's him as a person i think that he he stepped into that situation i think he's a little kooky yeah. but i think he stepped into that situation and said i am going to this is a term that uh, in 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 sports we would call razzle dazzle uh he is going to confuse basically confuse the hell out of uh, out of link right 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 and i think that that every single thing about you know they're drinking alcohol links probably already had a couple drinks by the time that he gets there they are out in a bar it's at night link is spending time there clearly not feeling great about himself when he's there because who goes to a bar and sort of mopes around and drinks and doesn't go home if you're feeling super happy about everything and I think absolutely Ricky sees this and adapts his playing style to take advantage of this. Now, I'm not saying that this is a good quality or that he's not predatory. He is. But I'm saying within the scope of the salesman in the movie, I like Ricky. And I feel like he is very much a master of speaking and speaking in a way that confuses or manipulates the people that he's talking to none of the other people with except Blake who who seems to have a more direct approach and we never see Blake selling except in that he sells his pitch to to the men in the room uh we get to see all of these you know, we get to see each different character pitching we get to see them selling and Ricky's sales process he completely owns link by the end of that and you don't see that with anybody else you see them trying and you see them failing Struggling, struggling, and we like, like they really they, they, each each one is like a new battle because they're not really sure how to fight it, except by kind of starting on the same way. But th- it's a blunt instrument compared to the way Ricky does it. Correct, and he uh, that's a very good way to say it. And he steps in and he says, "Hmm, how can I befuddle this guy? It might take me an hour or two, but I'm going <laughs> to walk out of here selling you know the six contiguous properties or whatever he want, he winds up selling to him." And I really like 
that he is so good and a master of his craft, and he really is. And his craft happens to be one of taking advantage of people, which is unfortunate, but it's also a made-up play. Uh, so I'm okay liking it. But I really think that he knows he's the one character in this whole this whole thing who really knows what is going on. And I'll tell you something else. Even though he might not have uh, any cares about the consequences that he's selling people uh, Swampland – he does seem to have a code. He does seem to have a moral code. And that's evidenced when he's talking about, uh, you know, he essentially like, it's almost a mafia code in a way. It's like, you don't rat out on your friends. Your job is to help us. You do, you're not helping us. Your job is to help us. Like he gets that, you know, when some, and, and you can see that the machine has some of this too, because he's talking to Williamson about it. He's like, you're right. here for your partner. You're here for your friend, no matter what you help them, you know? So and it's a kind of, it's a kind of, it's a, it's a code. kind of, it's skewed, yeah, it's, but it's a code. A, a skewed kind of ethics, but still it's an ethic. Right. And at least it's an ethos. At least it's an ethos. That's good. I, I figured it would have been because of his work ethic. I heard you saying, it sounded like you would, would be frustrated working with somebody like Moss. Excuse me, because he's always kind of belly aching and blaming other people for how things are, which I know is not a trait that you are particularly fond of. Right. And uh, it, it seems like, I don't know, maybe I'm projecting. No, but you're I, right so far. And one thing I do like about Ricky, though, is that he, it's always... You know, I, I've, I've always felt like it's always interesting to talk to somebody who's excited about something. It's, it's interesting to talk to somebody who's excited about what they're doing, having done it. And it's always super duper exciting to talk to somebody who's, who loves what they do and are good at it. And no matter what somebody does, to talk to somebody who's good at what they do, and even just watching somebody do what they do well. Like there's a shoe repair place near my office, don't be creepy. And uh, sometimes I'll just you know, walk by and just be like amazed. Like that, people bring their disgusting shoes to this guy, and he makes them better every right, time. Right. I have a lot of admira- admira- admiration for that kind of craft. You know what I mean? Yeah, and this is, this is and I, oh, you, you, no, you totally, yes, it just clicked. Yes. You tot- yes, you totally identified the fact that for Ricky and clearly for Blake— and both of them set apart from everybody else in this movie is that they do have a craft. They have an, they, they are in possession of a, an art, a skill that's an art that is something that it, it, they are different because to them, this isn't, I'm trying to close the lead. I'm trying to make a sale. I'm trying to do this thing to make some money to get to the, it's more like they're weaving a tapestry that involves this sales process and this person that they're selling to, but it is an artistic thing. It is very much a craft, like you said. And it's obvious for Ricky, like he's there to work, you know, he's there to do this thing, but it doesn't end when he leaves uh, that, that room. It doesn't end when he's done with the sit. It it doesn't end ever. And I do admire that. And I think that that's an, an important distinction. Whenever you look at, you know, I know one of your heroes, Donald Trump, one of your, one of your heroes says that, uh, that, you know, for him, at least what he's doing, it never feels like work. It never is work. And that's, I think the key to finding the thing that, that you can do for your whole life or for a long time is if it doesn't feel like work. If it feels like work, then you won't like doing it. But when, you you know, if you're, again, Donald Trump wrote this in one of his books, you know, when he's out <laughs> playing golf with, uh, with, you know, with somebody, they may not talk about business, but he's still doing business, but he loves it. You know, when my, he's... My, yeah, my only amendment to that would be like, you know, if it feels like drudgery, it's probably not for you. Do you know mm, what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of stuff in work that's hard, but if it feels something where it feels like something where you're constantly dreading what you have to do today, tomorrow, next week, next month, you know what I mean? 
that's kind of a good sign. Yeah. You know, um, you also make me think of something else. I like what you're saying here. The the other thing is there's a uh, such a great scene, kind of a key exchange where <clears throat> Shelley's telling his war story to Ricky, and he's talking about going in there, you know, with the pen and looking at the clock and everything. Yeah, yeah. And there's a there's a phrase that he uses. I think it's something like it was all on them, nothing on me, all on them, and that reflects a key distinction between Ricky and the other salesmen is that the other salesmen are very inward turning in some ways. They're, they're focused on what their, what their kind of goal is and what's keeping them from getting that accomplished. And Ricky for his, for his, what I have to imagine are various faults is very focused on other people. It's what makes him better at putting people down than the other guys. Mm-hmm. It's also what makes him great at knowing which one of the loners in this Chinese restaurant on a Tuesday night is most likely to buy land in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Something about that outward turning. It's so you know what I mean. There's the inward turning of oh, I gotta make I gotta make my draw this month. There's the outward turning of which one of these people will I focus on to do the work, which I think is kind of a key difference, don't you think? It, it very much is, and and that is. I, don't it, know, I just that just occurred to me. Well, that it's true. Like, no, it's right, and I think it's also the part that that separates it from being like a talent or a craft. And being just something that that they're doing. Alan Arkin, uh, I remember, had turned down the role uh, of uh, George Aronow multiple times, turned it down. And what finally convinced him to do it, or what I was reading about, uh, was that he the he decided that the way that he would play it, instead of playing George as sort of just a, a dummy, a doofus, was that he was somebody who wound up in this job because he was looking for work and maybe what he was doing before was something different. And he said the way he played it was that he was a teacher who had lost his job. That's why he's always saying what he's saying. That's why he's always ruminating. I'm not cut out for this. Not cut out for this. Maybe I shouldn't even, yeah, you think uh, maybe I shouldn't be in this business. Right. And and, and <gasps> it, it, it really, you know, it really changes the way you look at him is that, you know, you look at Moss, Moss strikes you as like this Guy who just he just wants to get ahead. He's kind of greedy. He's just kind of like wants to cut to the chase and and skip the hard work and get the you know get the money. Ricky is practicing an art and a craft. The machine used to have a craft and and you know hasn't had very much luck with it. And George is sort of misplaced. And it's a very different way to play it. That's good. Good stuff. It is. Um, well, we could talk about this a lot more. Couldn't I we? know we could. Okay, we better button this up. All right. Okay. I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man.